Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. Uh, my voice probably sounds a little bit unfamiliar. I am back, um, and we are getting ready to go here. Um, on this week's episode, we're going to talk a little bit about the, the schedule that came out. We're going to talk about a little bit of the quarantine, and basically, we're just going to try and keep it as NBA-focused as possible, because in the next month, the NBA is back, baby. All right, here we go. Boys, I am back, and I am excited to be back. How we doing, fellas? Brett, how we doing? Jacob, how we doing? I'm excited to be back. What's up, boys? Doing great, man. Welcome back. Yeah, man. Good to good to have you back. It's finally. Has, hashtag team no sleep. Um, and we're just we're just taking it day by day. New season. Every every day is a new season. That's how we're approaching it. And and yeah, we're just having a lot of fun. And it, it's it's good to um it's good to talk sports, man. Like I'm I'm excited to. I didn't really. I couldn't talk. You guys did a great job last week with the Kobe and the Magic Johnson thing. Um, I thought it turned out great. Hashtag Team Jacob and Magic. But Brett, your 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 points were spot on. And even even the episode before that, you know, where I kind of had to had to leave, kind of at the start of it, which was just that was a crazy that that entire day is a podcast in itself. But it feels good to be back, man. Shooting the shit with you guys, and obviously been paying attention to that hotbed of reality in the group uh the last like week which is just that seems to get more insane by the day but man i just i'm excited to just chop some hoops with you guys man for real like it it, it feels good to be back hell yeah man and let, let me just say congratulations to you on the pod i know we've obviously spoken outside of the pod and and we we try to shout you out a bit on the last episode but but just to say it to you on the pod man con- congrats and uh super happy for you my man i know it's i know it's a, a major challenge but uh you know i know i know you're killing it man yeah, man. Dude, it's, Fucking it's, congratulations. And thanks, make sure you Jay, get them four hours a night. Four hours a night, baby. That's all I need. I get more than that. I get a little cranky. Just give me those four <laughs> hours. I'm good to go, baby. <laughs> good, good to go. Um, so, hey, uh, I mean, like on this one, I know we kind of talked about some things. I, I, we might say we're going to do the all NBA teams on this pod, but we felt kind of with a lot of the breaking news that that came out in the last couple of days, and there was a lot of – um. Um, I don't want to say heated discussion in, in, in our Facebook group, but I thought, I thought it was good, healthy discussion. Um, and I think we all kind of wanted to touch on that and we'll probably save the, the all NBA awards for either the next podcast or, or the podcast, um, after that. But, um, yeah, I, I mean, I guess I'll, we'll just kind of kick right into it. So I think, I don't know what day it was, so I apologize. I know today is Sunday, but, um, the NBA within the last couple of days came out with the schedule. Um, and it, it's a lot of really good good games i thought at least from a from a viewer's perspective i mean obviously um we can talk about strength of schedule um i i joked before we started recording clearly very very clearly um the nba desperately wants the pelicans to be in the playoffs um their schedule looks incredibly easy um compared to some of the other teams but i mean yeah i mean we got we start off with i mean just on Thursday, uh, July 30th, we have the Jazz at the Pelicans. I, I'm interested in that game. Um, if you guys have been listening to us from the beginning, we, we did do a deep dive on the Rudy Gobert uh, Utah Jazz situation. So I'm excited to kind of watch that game, see how they they play. And then right after that, we go into Clippers Lakers, which is always fun. And then, you know, the next night we get, uh, you know, the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks and we get the Rockets and the Mavericks. Just, I mean, it's it, just some good games, man, and I'm I'm excited. So, um, Brett, I'll, we'll start with you, and we'll go to Jacob. I mean, when you guys saw the schedule, what were what were your kind of first reactions? Your first thoughts? Like, what did what were what did you guys think? Like you said, man, it's a lot of good games, and I think that comes from uh, from what do they call them? The delete eight, <laughs> the eight teams that that aren't going to be there. You know, just basically removing the worst teams from the league. Um, 
you know, just, just the eight worst teams and, and you look at it and pretty much every matchup is like, you know, if you saw it during the regular season, uh, it's like, oh, it's a good game. Like there's not really a, a bad game on this thing. You know, when you're talking about the worst teams here being, you know, I mean, the Wizards, yeah. Are other than them, though, it's, you know, like the Spurs and the Kings. Like, those are all teams that, that I think we all like to watch anyway. So that was definitely the first thing that struck me. And, and I knew that was going to be the case. But just looking at the schedule, it's like, yeah, this is a lot of good games and a lot of really good games. Um, a lot of great matchups. Um, the other thing was I thought it would be more televised, like, nationally. Um, I know – I think all these games are going to be on League Pass – um, all the ones that aren't on national TV, but I was just surprised at how many weren't on TNT and ESPN. Um, but then again, they're they're clustered together in a, a very short amount of time, so I guess you can only have so many per day. You know, a couple on TNT, maybe a couple on ESPN, NBA TV. So maybe this is is, is the most they could televise. But but that kind of struck me as well. I, I think there's going to be, and before we get to Jacob, I, I, I read somewhere, I'll, I'll try to look it up, but I, just from, you know, being in Milwaukee, I know there was some talk that, and I don't, I haven't confirmed it, that there's going to be some stuff on Fox Sports Wisconsin, which is just basically like the, the local affiliate that carries the game. So I don't know if those announcers are going to be there. I have, I have no idea, but I know there was some talk about that, but Jacob, what was kind of, um, you know, you saw the schedule, what was kind of your, your first thoughts, your first, uh, um, you know, what, what's going on here and when we get back to playing basketball. Well, I really want to take, cause I've, I've kind of, I've gone over the general schedule seeing, you know, those teams who was the um, ones I didn't really like the Lakers schedule. That was a bit, bit nasty with like the Clippers, Toronto, Utah, back to back, Houston, Denver. Like that was trying to looking at kind of the Milwaukee schedule, see how there's one. Their one isn't great either. I mean, no one's really got a great schedule because, like like Brett said, you're playing the 22 best teams in the league against each other for eight games. So, team, you know, you have four seed, then you play the three seed, then you play a six seed, then you play Milwaukee or something. It's it's hard to kind of pin out like, oh, that's a really tough schedule or that's a real powder puff schedule right now until we start seeing the teams kind of how they've lined up. Because like we, you know, get onto players like Avery Bradley pulling out. I don't know if Lou Williams has confirmed he's pulling out, but, you know, he's apparently on the bubble. Dwight Howard's pulling out. You know, we don't know who's going to be there and who isn't and how the team's going to look yet. So saying, you know, teams that are on the bubble of getting good, like Utah, if there are some players that pull out in, you know, Houston or in Denver, Utah might be in with a real shot of, you know, going further, assuming they've worked out the chemistry issues with Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. But yeah, it's a right now. It's a bit of a murderer's row of games. It is. Yeah, Jacob. I, I first though, I want your your clap back against someone about the Avery Bradley thing was hilarious. Like I legit, <laughs> like, I think I was like drinking water and I went like it was. That rarely happens. That was fantastic. Um, I, I did though want to. I just wanted to point out the the Pelican schedule because that was a thing that jumped out to me. And, and Jacob, you're right. I mean, we don't know. Who's who's going to be there yet? I mean, obviously, until they show up, I mean, anything can happen. So, I mean, let's let's just we want to recognize that. But here's the Pelican schedule. I just want to give everyone an idea on, on how this is. They they play, as we said off the top, they play the Jazz, then they play the Clippers, then they play the Grizzlies, then they play the Kings, then they play the Wizards, then they play the Spurs, then they play the Kings again, and then they play the Magic. Like I've looked at a lot of the schedules, and that is by far again. We don't know who's all going to be there yet, but assuming that the majority of the players are going to be there, 
that is the easiest schedule that any other team has. Like it is, right. it is so clear that the NBA that Adam Silver desperately wants the Pelicans. They want that Laker Pelican matchup. So I mean, like, so the Pelicans had, uh, I think, one of the easiest schedules, the easiest yeah. remaining schedules yeah. in the league before the season was canceled. I think among the few easiest. So, and I know the league, I guess, did their best to sort of approximate that um, when they were making these schedules. And in a way, it's a reflection of that. But now they have by far the easiest. And it's funny because you look at that schedule and it's like, um, you know, normally we'd be like, yeah, those are all some pretty good teams at least. But in this context, uh, two against the Kings, one against the Spurs, one against the Wizards, like those are the kind of the cupcake games of this of this thing. Those are definitely some of the lower teams. Um, so, yeah, they definitely – I, they had any. They were going to have an easy schedule, um, so I think it's fair to give them a relatively easy schedule in this. But I do think it's it's kind of extreme. Um, you know, maybe I'm I'm a little bit of a bitter Blazers fan because they kind of got screwed. Um, so you know, I think uh, to to speak on them real quick, I think Portland had the, um, you know, they were somewhere in the middle with their remaining schedule before the season got canceled. Like I think they had, uh, you know, maybe the 16th most difficult. And now I think they're like the fourth or fifth most difficult schedule um, in, in Orlando. And that's, that's tough because obviously they're, they're kind of scrambling to get that, that playoff spot. Um, So yeah, it's, it's pretty crazy how it shook out, but man, I I feel like I was saying this in, in like February, even in, in like March is that, um, you know, the NBA, they want that, first round matchup like I think that Lakers Pelicans first round series would be the most watched first round series in NBA history period yeah. Zion versus LeBron come yeah. on like well, it's, it's not gonna be hyped up. I mean it's gonna be the most hyped up like I still think like I mean again like we'll see what as Jacob pointed out we'll see what happens with Dwight and and, and Avery Bradley. I mean, dude, I can't get over Jacob and clap back on that. If you want. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, like someone like the, the group has been, and we're going to get into it a little bit later on in the pod, but like, it's like every breaking news thing, like our, our the group just freaks out about like our, our Facebook group. And someone had Avery Bradley's like not going to play. And Jacob, I mean, you can, you can, you can clarify what Jacob goes. Oh, damn it. He's not going to make my first team all NBA defense now. I was dying just because I know you and I can sense the sarcasm all the way across the Atlantic Ocean. <laughs> but I, I was I was just going to say, though, like, I mean, I think even though we all want, I mean, as a fan, like, it'd be cool watching Zion LeBron. Like, you know, it's going to be hyped up. But I mean, I still think the Lakers beat them in four, maybe five. Like, I just think the Lakers are going to come out and just be rolling. I think this I think this layoff helped them quite a bit. Um, just because of the age of LeBron and especially Anthony Davis. I mean, it has to, and, and especially LeBron, I mean, he's a veteran. We don't have to worry about him keeping his body in, in, in check or anything like that. So, I mean, as, as hyped up and as much as I want to watch that matchup, I think from a, from a basketball point of view, I think the Lakers just steamroll them anyways. Yeah. 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 It's hard to imagine that one going more than five. Maybe yeah, I'd say five, maybe yeah. the Pelicans steal one. If that even happens though, you know, there's still a few games back of Memphis and but, you know, I know it's that's what the NBA wants, but you know, yeah. well, and, and Jacob, I, I want to get your thoughts because it's, it's real interesting to me that, you know, you look at um from the Eastern, from the Eastern conference point of view, I mean, Milwaukee, they have such a big lead. Um, I mean, I, I fully, I, I predict that they're going to treat these first couple games as as the preseason. I mean, like I know, 
those fucking Boston fans are all going, oh, got no, like they, I don't think Milwaukee really cares. I think they're just going to ramp up each game. They're going to ramp up their minutes a little bit more for their stars and just kind of get a little bit of a groove. But it's interesting because I think Miami is I, – I have to look it up. I don't have it in front of me. I apologize. I think Miami is like two and a half games back of Boston. Like there's a little bit of a – Mm-hmm. Uh, of, a, of a cluster of teams there. I mean, we talked about, I, I think that if I'm a Boston fan and uh, I'm not trying to troll or anything, I do not want to want to face Philly. I mean, outside of the Lakers, they're the second team that I think has benefited the most from this just because um, I don't think, um, I don't think this is a hot take. I don't think we were going to see Ben Simmons um, the rest of the regular season. If it didn't get, uh, if there wasn't a stoppage and I didn't think we were going to see him in the playoffs. So I think like this really helps him in his back. I think his back was a lot more messed up than, than we thought it was. But I mean, looking at it now, you have the, the Celtics, the heat, the Pacers and the Sixers are all kind of jumbled up there. Um, I think the Celtics have a, it's three and a half game lead over, over Philly. I might be wrong on that, but um, yeah, so that, that's kind of what I'm looking at. What are, what are your thoughts kind of on the East Jacob? On the East? Um, well, I think, to be honest, I think the Heat won't catch up to Boston. In that, like, I I remember in one of the first pods when we were saying it's coming back, I pointed to Philly and said that um, I thought Philly could cruise to, you know, stay in, stay in sixth, um, play Boston in the first round. I'm sure Boston believes they can beat Philly. Philly believes they can beat Boston. If I'm Philly, I'm taking that chance over going to the four five, maybe getting an easier first round and then playing um, Milwaukee in the second round. I'm rather taking Boston and then taking on, um, you know, Toronto and then trying against Milwaukee in the conference finals. But their their um, schedule has been pretty easy. I mean, you think they go like the Pacers, they can lose that game and that drop that makes sure that kind of keeps them in sixth position. Um, yeah. San Antonio, Washington, Orlando, Portland, Phoenix, Toronto, Houston, that whole middle part is very winnable. They could easily yeah. go five and three without really putting too much effort in if they're really firing on all cylinders. Like, could they climb up to fifth, but do they want to climb up to fifth? That's something I'm really, I'm not sure about them. I mean, Brooklyn are coming in as a dead man walking. They have no one. You know, Kyrie said, you know, whatever Kyrie's, position is on coming back. I don't think he's coming back. Obviously, Durant is not coming back for the playoffs now. They're really like, those teams down there I really don't care about. At the top, I think it's pretty much set. Yeah, so do I. And you look at, you look at Indies, you look at the Pacers schedule too, uh, Jacob, just to, their schedule in the middle is fairly easy as well. I mean, as you said, they start off with Philly and then they go Washington, Orlando, Phoenix, Tough game against the Lakers, and then yeah, you know, I guess they kind of they end kind of tough. And they go Lakers, Miami, Houston, Miami again. But I mean, definitely you know the Wizards, even the, that Philly, Philly, Washington, and Orlando and Phoenix are both. I mean, they could easily go. I mean, would anybody be surprised if they go four and zero? I know that I wouldn't. I mean, it, it's going to be. I'm really interested to see in the East. Like again, those teams below the the Bucks and the Raptors. I, I really want to see you know the the three, four, five, six teams on on what they can do. Um, cause like, like you said, I mean, it, it, it's tough. It's going to be tough for Miami to catch Boston, even though it is only a, a two and a half game cushion just because there's only eight games and, you know, a lot, who knows we, the exciting part, I guess you could say is none of us, I mean, we're all speculating. We have no idea how these teams are going to come back from this, like none. Uh, and it's exciting and it kind of, like we talked about earlier, I think it hurts Milwaukee, um, as much as it pains me to say this, I, I really do. I think Milwaukee was, um, head and shoulders above 
the East. And now as, as a fan, like I can tell you, I'm a, I'm a little bit more nervous than I was uh, before this happened, but um, going back to the, going back to the West Brett, I mean, what, what kind of, what are your thoughts? Do you see anybody jumping anybody here? Do you see it kind of being, kind of being chalk as how it is, how it is now? I mean, is, I guess the only thing can, can you got uh, Oklahoma city and Houston, um, they both have the same record. I mean, I guess to, right now Houston would have to play Denver and then the Thunder would play the Jazz. I mean, do you see them flipping? I mean, because other than that, I think it's I think it's pretty set, man. I mean, the Lakers and the Clippers are so far ahead of, of – well, I shouldn't say the Clippers, but the Lakers are definitely so far ahead of everybody. Yeah, I think there's a couple interesting things in the West. Um, yeah, I think the Lakers, um, much like Milwaukee in the East, you know, as long as they can win – even if they could go like two and six, you know, that, that one seat is locked up. Um, so I think we could see, I think we could see them, them resting guys and we can get into that aspect of it a little later. Um, I think, you know, Utah, OKC and Houston obviously are all super close. I think that four five, six could go any which way. Uh, Bogdanovich is out for Utah, uh, not to mention the, the Mitchell Gobert thing. I could see them sliding like, you know, maybe going three and five or even two and six in this thing. Um, as far as teams that could make a jump, I look at Dallas. Uh, they're they're forty and twenty seven, so they've got just as many wins as as the Rockets and Thunder. They've just played more games, um, so they're I think they're a game and a half behind those two teams. And I could see them making a jump, and it's in their best interest to make a jump because as it stands, they'd be facing the Clippers in the first round, and I just don't think that's a series they could win. As, as high as I am on Dallas. But if they could get into the six even and play a team like Denver, Utah, or OKC, or even Houston in the first round, I think they could beat any of those teams. Um, any of those four teams, I think the Mavs could, could beat without a doubt. And, and then they get into the second round, and, and they have some momentum, and, and it could get interesting. They're, they're increasingly striking me as like a dark horse in the West, and, and I think it's imperative that they move up out of that seven seed so as to avoid a first-round matchup with the Clippers. So that's kind of the team that, that I have my eye on um, in terms of the current Western Conference playoff picture. What about you, Jacob? What are you, what are you liking in that Western, in that Western field? Um, you know. Well, I was going to say about um, Dallas and New Orleans, we think – I think, yeah, if, if Zion gets his way into the eighth seed, like you're saying, they've kind of set up the schedule. He plays a lot of the teams around him. So these are kind of like in, I don't know if we, you have a term for it in American sports, we call them six-pointers in football. They're games where the win and the loss kind of multiplies for each team. And because a win is worth three points in football, we call it a six-pointer. It's worth six points in kind of context of when it's happening. So like New Orleans... Versus the Kings, like maybe like a swing yeah, game. Swing, yeah, swing game maybe. Like they have a lot of those type of games against the Kings and the Spurs. Like those teams that are right next to them, where a win is worth more than a regular win because you'll beat those are all, those other teams are also losing. So it kind of, I think he can get in there, but I think they will get taken out in four because it's Zion's first playoffs, and first playoffs are historically bad for superstar players. Yep. Like yep. So I I feel like Luca. And Zion, they can easily force their way in. I think Zion, especially, that Pelicans team is kind of a dark horse because they can just score at will on people. But I don't, yeah, I feel like that's a kind of, that's a goner. And yeah, yeah, yeah you go, Brett. To, just to touch on what, what you were saying about the six-pointers or the swing games, um, there's one in particular that that stands out on the schedule and it takes place on August 3rd and it's Memphis versus the Pelicans, Ja versus Zion. 
Uh, and according to to Kevin Pelton, I believe he kind of went through the schedule and sort of calculated the significance of different games. That was the biggest swing game on the whole schedule um, based on his simulations or whatever he's doing. Yeah. Uh, but that's one to, that's one to keep an eye on. It's going to be a fun game for obvious reasons, you know, uh, Zion versus Ja. Also, that it's um, a, you know a potential preview of the the play in series. But uh, but just in terms of you know, if uh, if if the if the Pelicans can win that game, it's like yeah, Memphis loses and the Pelicans win, and that 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 in itself could have a big shift in the standings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, yeah, just yeah. nothing. Can I point out too? Can I just point out as well? I'm really happy Miami and Indiana play each other like twice in four days when they could easily be <laughs> the four or five matchup. Like they could play each other like eight times, ta- nine times in the span of like three weeks. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah, man. That that's that's that East thing, man. Is the more I look at it, and this is like to echo what I think both of you guys were saying on a couple podcasts ago. Is like uh, Miami really, or, or I'm sorry, Philly should just stay in that in that six because you know the three six matchup avoids the Bucks in the second round, and I mean I think you have to go for that if possible. Like you know, wait, prolong that matchup until the 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 conference finals, especially with so many things that could happen in terms of COVID or injuries or, um, you know, a lot could change. So I'd want to see them as late as possible, but then man, you look at that, uh, that schedule for them and say, say Philly, uh, I think they are in the six right now or tied for it, but say they stay in the six. And so they play Boston in the first round, Toronto in the second round, and then the Bucks in the conference finals. That's brutal, man. Like, if you have to go through Boston, Toronto, and the Bucks, like, I guess Philly almost feels like too good of a team to have that difficult of a road to the finals. But that's where they're at. And uh, and and you know, I'm I'm all for it. I'm no Philly fan, but uh, the, <laughs> either, I guess either way, whether they end up in that four or five or the three six, uh, they're going to have a really difficult road because they'll either get the Bucks in the second round or they'll have to go through. Boston and then Toronto and then the Bucks. So yeah, they, they've got a tough road of it either way. They do, and I can tell you as as a Bucks fan, like I do not want to see Philly. I, I really don't. I mean, Philly is a team that scares me, just because you look at them on paper and you can go back. I mean, I think there were a lot of things went wrong for Milwaukee on that Christmas Day game, and then Milwaukee came back and after that and just you know kicked the shit out of them. But I mean, like on paper, like Philly's really good. And I mean, like I'm not as high on Tobias Harris as as most people are. But I mean, Tobias Harris can light it up. And you have Embiid, who is who, he's a beast, man. And if Ben Simmons can, to me, the, the, I don't know, man. I, we talked about it before a, a long time ago. I mean, if, if Ben Simmons can kind of figure out his role on a playoff team, you know, where he's not in the dunker spot and he can do some things and figure some shit out, like. Philly can be really good. And that's why, like, even if I'm a Philly fan, like, I, again, I'm not trolling Boston, but if I'm a Philly fan, like, Boston does not scare me. Like, they just don't. Like, I, I like Boston's good. Like, Tatum's really good. Brown's really good. But, like, I, I just feel like with Boston, we've seen this this movie before with them. And they could very well go to the NBA Finals. It's, it, again, like, everyone in the East has a, has a really, really great shot, especially with this quarantine that came up. But, I mean, like, I just look at Philly and look at their team and how they're built. And there's, like, as – you're right, Brett. Like it, it shouldn't be as difficult as it is for Philly. But I also, if you told me, you know, I, I can't say June anymore. What is it in August, September, whatever yeah. the whenever the NBA right. finals start. Like if you told me, like Philly was in the NBA finals as a six seed, like I wouldn't be surprised at all. Like it would it would not shock me one bit. Yeah. 
No, no. They're they're incredibly talented. Um, their their starting five is absolutely loaded, and they're deeper than people realize. And just one quick thing to touch on with them, and I wrote about this the other day. You guys may or may not have seen it. Um, sort of a new dimension when you're talking about Ben Simmons finding sort of an optimal role outside of the dunker spot, and maybe outside of just being you know alone on the perimeter handling the ball. Um, a guy that emerged uh, sort of late in the season, like in February for them, uh, sort of when Ben Simmons went down with that back injury, I guess, was Shake Milton. And he had been hurt the first part of the season. The two of them I don't, did not play a lot of minutes together. But Shake Shake provides them with an option where where Ben Simmons can sort of play off the ball in situations when Shake's in the game and turn into the role man on the pick and roll, which is his best role in, in that scenario, in my opinion. Uh, and, and he's proven as much. But he's never had a guy like Milton uh, to, to to play on ball when they're together. They've had. Um, Josh Richardson, not a point guard, doesn't really have a lot of point guard skills. Um, Raul Neto, uh, however, Raul, I guess he's Brazilian, I think. Um, but you know, you have him in there and, uh, he's no threat to score. So he, he sort of limits your option in that option in that pick and roll. But, uh, but Shake Milton, he's a, he's a combo guard. He's six, five, six, six. He's got legit point guard skills. He's a very good passer. He's very long and he can also shoot. So I think that pick and roll. And we're not going to see it all the time. I don't expect him to play more than 20, 25 minutes a game for them. But but him and Simmons, I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on is that pick and roll. I think that could be really deadly and, and sort of a version of it that we haven't seen from Philly yet. So it's just something to keep an eye on. Well, I think as well, you've got to think that we've seen as well, that like as you get into the playoffs, because we thought when kind of the Golden State Warriors kind of revolutionized the positional um, thinking that we thought, you know, centers are going to go extinct. They're not going to play. But the truth is you need people that bang bodies in the regular season and you need them to take that beating. And then in the playoffs, you can then suddenly start playing Giannis at the five. You can start playing Ben Simmons at the four or going at him at the five for, you know, eight minute stretches in the second quarter. Like you can see those things start to emerge when we get to the playoffs and teams go super small ball and Philly is really well positioned in that, I mean, you're talking about Shake Milton possibly playing the point for them at times. He is of their front seven, their seven best players. He's the shortest guy and he's six foot five. But then mm-hmm. you've got like him, Thibault and Josh Richardson are all six foot five. And those guys are going to be playing the one and the two guard at any given moment. And then you've got Ben Simmons at 6'10", Al Horford at 6'9", Harris at 6'8", Embiid, who is on his day, the best big man defender in the league at seven foot. I mean, yeah, I don't. I think Tatum scares me. Tatum does scare me. Like, if I'm Philly, I think he might be able to score at will. But I don't think anyone else will with what they have to defend. I them mean, with. I put thought put Thibel on him though. Like, I mean, yeah. Jesus, like Thibel, Simmons, Horford, yeah. even Tobias. Like they they match up pretty well with. I, I'm do. just gonna say it. They man. do, man. I'm telling you. I think on I think on paper they're the best team in the league. If you're just looking at their roster well, on paper. They're yeah. the best team in the league yeah. on paper. Easily we thought at the start at the start of the season, that's what people thought it was going to be them. But then Milwaukee just came out and well, not came out of nowhere, but you know they're on a seventy win pace. They kind of they were doing it much better than we thought Philly could, and Philly just kind of sagged. They weren't even on a fifty win pace coming into this. No. Like that's that's no, just, I mean, they're as when the season ended, like we talked about. I mean, they were thirty nine and twenty six, and I. I know, like, we'll see what happens with the whole Brett Brown situation. But, I mean, like I said, obviously, you have to look at a team like the Lakers. And 
just the age of that team. And you have to understand that this is going to benefit them, especially with a player. I mean, let's let's be real, probably the smartest player in the NBA in LeBron James. But then secondly, I mean, Philly's right there. I, I, I can't – you just go back and if you could put yourself – I know, I mean, the NBA, you know, it seems like it was, you know, five years ago that they were actually playing with everything that's gone on. But, I mean, you just remember, you know, Brett Brown was, was going to get fired. You know, they were going to get a new coach. You know, it was the – the Simmons and Bead relationship and, and everything that goes together with that. Like it was a really toxic environment. And now it's kind of like they get to get to come in fresh and as is basically a new season. And I, like, again, I, I don't think it's, it's crazy to have those expectations that we had of Philly uh, before the season started. And uh, like, I'm with you, Brett. I think you were about to say it, but like Phil, I, I fully, if it was Philly and Boston, I would expect, I would pick Philly to win that series. Like I would be, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't win, but I, I like, I would, I would put money on Philly winning that series. I think coaching wins that series. I think, I think Brad Stevens will just, will just outcoach Brett Brown. I think, um, I, that's the thing. On paper, I think Philly's a way better team. On the court, I think Boston is a better team. But then again, I don't feel like we've seen the best version of Philly. And if that best version of Philly comes about, you know, because of say. Embiid and Simmons both being healthy, the emergence of Shake Milton, uh, everybody just kind of settling into their roles, uh, Thibel really turning into the player I think he's going to become, then th- that could be a problem. Um, not to jump around too much, but uh, you mentioned the Lakers, and 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 Jacob mentioned you know uh, teams going to smaller ball lineups, and I think that's something that we have to talk about, and I think that's the scariest thing about the Lakers if you're not a Lakers fan, is that uh, we're going to see a lot of Anthony Davis at center in the playoffs. Um, we did not see much of that during the regular season, but when he was at center, they were unbelievably good. And I think we're going to see a lot of that in the playoffs. I don't know. I, I'm assuming Dwight Howard's going to play. Um, I don't think he's going to stay home. I think he would have had to announce that by now or, or likely would have. But I think we can expect to see a lot of AD at the five and man, in a playoff series like that's that's lights out for the other team. If you got LeBron and AD out there together, and, and you're playing a smaller ball lineup, um, it, like like Jacob was saying, they you know they didn't want him banging all regular season long and wearing down and, and getting hurt. But I think they're going to unleash him as a center in the playoffs. Yeah, and it's going to be a problem for other teams. Yeah, I can see that, especially if. Um, yeah, if Dwight doesn't go, I don't know what the cutoff period is for him to opt in or opt out, but they have, they got JaVale McGee basically as their five starting. Maybe he'll still start at the five and play, you know, 16 minutes a game. But yeah, I see AD playing a good half, two thirds of the game at the five. And I think that that opens up so much because you look at AD's vertical threat is like, like the greatest thing ever. Like, and you combine that with LeBron, no one is... No one's threatening that, you know, not even guys like Zion and Giannis are, you know, competing with AD at the apex of the ball. So I just, and when you have someone like LeBron who can feed that in a playoff setting and that can be your 1-5 pick and roll, it's just, it's unguardable for even guys like, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, yeah, even, no, we're going to, I think we're going to see a lot of that, man. I really do. I think it's it's something we, we just, we haven't seen a lot of it. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but um, I think that was a very small percentage of the lineups they ran out there because Dwight and Dwight and JaVale played, played well and they played quite a lot. Um, yeah. So I don't yeah. think there wasn't a whole lot of just AD at the five and, and LeBron at the one, but man, that's, 
that's gonna be it's gonna be a nightmare, bro. Well, yeah, dude, I'm right. not. We can talk about Anthony Davis, Dwight Howard, Javale McGee all they want, but I am as a gambler, I am not betting against LeBron James. Like that dude, he'll he'll just find a way, man. I, I, that dude's just he's he's unbelievable, and I'm really, 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 really excited to see how he he gets him not only himself but his team prepared as they come out of this quarantine. But hey, real quick though, I mean, I kind of want to switch gears a little bit. Can we? Can we talk about kind of this this COVID thing and this Orlando thing? Do you get do you guys mind if we touch on that real quick? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Not at all. So yeah. I, I don't want to I don't want to kind of repeat because I know uh, not the, I wasn't on the last pod, but if you go back to the other pod where we had that scare and then eventually a couple hours later we had to go to the hospital anyway. So, um, but I know we were kind of getting into it, and the last thing that and you guys did a fantastic job, but one of the things that um, I tried driving home was how the media plays into all this stuff. And I think I said on that pod that, you know, and it's not an opinion, it's just questions that I have about like, you know, the coronavirus, what's going on with it, because it seems like, you know, what we're seeing in this country um, in regards to the coronavirus is just a, I think the, I can't speak for, for what goes on by you, Jacob, but I know here in, in the United States, you clearly have, the, the public has clearly understood that, you know, the media, they don't trust the media and they don't trust the government. And I've, I've seen this a lot in, especially in the Facebook group is a lot of people just killing um, the NBA and Adam Silver for even trying to do this. And one of the things I think we, we, I can't remember if we said this privately in our group chat to each other, but one of the things that I find like very interesting, and again, just being, being very curious is when, you know, Malcolm Brogdon gets, you get the, we all have like probably ESPN or Yahoo sports alerts on, on our phones. And it's kind of like Malcolm Brogdon tested positive. And that's the only thing that you see on it. And it's like, well, what does that mean? And then you hear Malcolm Brogdon say, nope, I'm fine. Like I'll, I'll, I'll be there. And then you got, um, you got Jokic who test positive, which was funny. I guess that's why he did lose all that weight. But it's <laughs> like, I just like, I, I kind of wanted to get your guys' thoughts because I, I, regardless of what we think of coronavirus or whatnot, like this thing is happening. And you know, someone really kind of got me fired up the other day. Uh, you guys maybe have saw it, maybe have not. But, I mean, it was basically like, you know, the, the NBA players shouldn't be playing because there's something along the lines of white, rich NBA owners. And I'm like, wait a minute. Hold up. Just just, just stop. Like, the, the, the NBA Players Association is the most powerful association in, in any sport league. And it's predominantly African-American. Um, you know, Chris Paul is the president. They – they, they run the show. You know, this, this ain't, I wanted to go to this person and be like, this ain't the NFL, bro. Like they, they run the show here. And th- this idea that the players weren't in lockstep with every single thing that the NBA, that Adam Silver and the owners had to do is, is really, really ludicrous to me. And, you know, whether, again, this isn't a conversation of, of if, if this should be taking place. The point that I drive home to everybody is, regardless of what your opinion is, the NBA players had a choice. They could either have sat out or they could have played and they chose to play. Now we can disagree with it, but like respect their decision. Like LeBron James, Chris Paul, Giannis, Kawhi Leonard, all those guys, they wanted to play. And the majority of the NBA players want to play. And Adam Silver has come out like, and I know you're not going to appease everybody with this. And I think Adam Silver understands that. And I think the NBA understands it, but like they're trying to do something. If it doesn't work, it, it doesn't work. But at least like this is there. You're not going to have, there's no, way in which this can start until there's a government issued vaccine, which is a whole nother conversation that we can get into. This is going to be around and it's something that we're going to have to deal with. And if they have a bubble in place and they can make it work, then let's give them a shot and see if it works before, you know, 
the Twitter mob just goes, oh, fuck the NBA. I'm never watching this stuff again. This is bullshit. They shouldn't be doing this. Well, what do you like? What do you want them to do? I mean, they, they, they've come up with a plan. And it, it was funny, too. And I don't mean to ramble here, but this idea that like Adam Silver, oh, well, you don't know how negotiations work, Steve. It's between, you know, the owners and the players up. And I'm like, are you high off your ass, dude? Do you think Adam Silver's going, hey, uh, Jeannie Buss, can you uh, please get with LeBron James? Fuck no. Adam Silver's texting LeBron James and be like, hey, man, like, here's what we're thinking. What's your feedback? Or with Chris Paul or whatever. If LeBron James were to tweet today, I'm not playing. This is stupid. We're not doing it. There'd be no season. Like the, the players control everything. And I asked this person, I said, name me the 10 most powerful people in the NBA. And it was, you could have outside of players, it would be Adam Silver, Mark Cuban, and Michael Jordan. They're probably in the top 10 and the rest is all players. Like this, just, just this idea that this is an ownership thing that's pushing this. No, the players want to play. They have a system in place. They have this, you know, I'm doing air quotes. You guys can't see me. This bubble, let's see if it works or not. And if it doesn't work, there's not going to be the NBA. Like I just like this, this whole ripping them before it even starts is just, I don't know. I just find it ridiculous. I just wanted, like I said, I've, I've had this pent up like all week. I just wanted, I'm lucky enough to have a platform to say this. So there, there it is. I just wanted to say it. I wanted to get your guys's kind of, kind of feedback. I mean, Brett or Jacob, either of you guys can, can kind of go first, but that's just kind of my thoughts. Let's just, Let's just chill. Let's just wait and let's just see how this plays out before we just decide to see, say if it was a success or a failure or not. Well, I mean, it's all, it's all well and good saying it's an individual choice though, but that kind of misses the point of that. It's, it's a pandemic like by making it's, you know, it's, it's all well and good making decisions for yourself, but don't forget anyone that tests positive is also kind of an emitter of this disease. And you think, and it's like anything, it just spreads through touch you get people into a bubble like for some people it's not really a choice like for yes for the most powerful players I know I've, I've said this before that I'm kind of I think it should never have gone ahead but I can admit in my own hypocrisy if I was LeBron or Kawhi or Giannis I would want to play because my legacy and my kind of you know that kind of position I have and that you know will to be the best would kind of be like yeah I'll go I kind of I'll trust myself and I want to win I want to do this thing but I just I don't I think there are a lot of people who are going to go into the bubble like assistant coaches skipped, um kind of maintenance team they're not really going to have a choice this is their livelihood they can't afford to sit on their asses for six months a year at a time and not do any work like for a lot of people they're having to make an economic choice and that's not a choice that's not a freedom that's a kind of that's something pushed upon them by the economic system they live in but so can, I, can, I, can I push back on that real quick, Jacob? Like, when yeah, you, especially, specifically when you talk about like assistant coaches, and maybe I'm looking at this as as too much of an optimistic view. And again, this is a conversation I just want to let everyone know strictly about the NBA. I'm not talking about anybody else. I'm just talking about the NBA and this bubble that they're in. Like, I would think like if I can't think of an assistant coach off the top of my head, so I apologize. But if an assistant coach for like the Dallas Mavericks said, "Hey, like I'm a little older, I don't feel comfortable doing this," like I'm assuming that either Mark Cuban or the NBA, they're still going to pay that person, even though he's not going to be there. Like Kyrie Irving, like he is still, I'm, I'm again, I may be wrong. If I'm wrong, let me know. Like I'm assuming that the players that don't want to play, they're still going to get paid. Like I don't, I, I'm not, I guess I'm not looking at this as an economic incentive that these, especially these guys have to play. I, I'm looking at it as these guys have a choice. They're whether they play or not, they're still going to get paid. Like, 
I, I guess that's just how I'm looking at it. So that, that, that's all I want to say. But, Brett, you, you were going to say something before I interjected, so go ahead. Um, yeah, and just on that last thing you said, um, players like Avery Bradley will be forfeiting a portion of their yeah, salary. Um, I think it's like uh, – it's a, it's a match day salary. It's kind of, you know, a game day – whether you, you know you get a different part of your salary allotted for a, for each eighty two games, and if you get suspended or something, you lose that kind right, of that right, game's right, worth. Yeah. He's so, going to lose like six hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, but he's is, still going to get paid. But he's not going to um, he's not going to get paid as much as as he would if he if he plays. Which you know that's that's fair. I mean, he's choosing to sit out. Um, but and I think like the the economic pressure that you know uh, Jacob touched on like. For some of these guys to play, like the lower tier players or assistant coaches that are just trying to maximize their earnings, like you know, I feel like that's sort of reflective of of everybody. Like I think the majority of people, um, you know, at least that that I know that have been out of work, as soon as they have an opportunity to go back to work, they're they're jumping at it, um, even if it's um, even if they're say in the service industry, they work at they're a bartender, um, they're going to go back to work. They're gonna they know they're running a risk. Um, they're going to wear their face mask and they're going to, but they're going to do it and, and make some money. And I think, I think that's kind of how a lot of these players are looking at it. I think, you know, it's a, it's a complex thing. We've touched on it. I think a lot of it is that some of these guys just love to play basketball. Um, some of these guys are trying to set themselves up for future contracts. Um, but, and to go back to the original point that you touched on Steve about like the, everyone saying it's just about the rich white owners and making them money. I think something that people forget and that we need to keep in mind is that it's a 50-50 revenue split yeah. between the player and the owners. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's it's even. Like this is this is gonna benefit the players in terms of revenue just as much as it benefits the owners. So it's not like it's some huge disproportionate thing where the owners are getting 70, 80% of the revenue. No, it's a it's a 50-50 split. Um and, and and I think that's that's why the the vast majority of players are are in favor of it. And then look, like um like I think you know, Jacob, you said you don't think it was a good idea for them to go forward, or you didn't think that. And like I've been saying this for months, I don't think there's a way that they can do it safely. And by safely, I mean perfectly safely. I don't think there's any way. But I think that this plan is just about as good as it could be. Um, it's not going to be perfect. It's not going to be perfectly safe. But compared to some of the stuff other pro sports leagues are talking about and compared to other directions they could have gone, um, assuming it goes according to plan um, for the most part, I think it's about as good as you could hope for. And uh, I mean, I think the good outweighs the bad in terms of moving forward with this. And maybe that's just coming from a fan's perspective where I'm like, like, I, I just want to watch basketball. I want to talk about basketball. I love basketball. It's a giant part of my life. And I think to a lot of the people listening, and I think to you guys as well, like, basketball is, is a big part of my life. And when it's not there, there's a void. And that may sound silly because we're talking about a game, but that's the reality, um, at least for me. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm obviously hoping for the best. Um, and And for the most part, I'm satisfied with – with the plan. I think it's well thought out and I just, I, I don't think we can expect perfection. And I think we need to live with the reality that, uh, that there's going to be more cases that there's going to be, you know, leaks in the bubble, so to speak. Um, there's going to be issues that pop up, 
but I'm just hoping they can they can make it through this without anything catastrophic happening. Yeah, and just to and Jacob, just to your point, because I know you've kind of been on this stance, and I respect the hell out of your decision. And and, and just as from my point of view, like whether especially not with kids, I mean, whether the NBA comes back or not, it really doesn't affect my everyday life, you know, but I understand like, you know, again, my, my wife's uh, not to get too much into her personal life, but she's a mental health nurse. So, I mean, like this is just touching on what you said, Brett, like, you know, sports do help people. And again, I just don't know, like, I don't have the answers. And this is why I'm glad that, uh, you know, us three have this platform where we can, you know, openly discuss this stuff and try to understand, you know, our opinions better or our, our, our questions better. I, I, but I, I side with, um, tend to side with, with kind of what you said a little bit, Brett, just because like, I don't know what else, what else do we want the NBA to do? Like if, if they said, again, if they came out and said, Hey, we don't think we can do this. We're, we're not going to come back. Okay. Like that's fine. But then I would ask, well, when do you guys, when are you going to come back? You know, I, I've been kind of pounding this vaccine thing, you know, like half, half the people in this country don't get vaccines as it is. So like, I, I just, I, and and now, I mean, I, again, you guys know I'm a little bit of a conspiracy theorist. Like now we're supposed to get like this, this fast tracked government issued non-tested vaccine. Like, no, hell no. But um, like, I just don't know what else. It seems like the popular opinion is to slam the NBA before this even starts, before this even happens. I mean, I remember, granted, it's a little bit different and I understand that it's different, but I mean, I remember when, when us three, especially you, Jacob, when we were hyping up when the UFC first came back and how awesome those fights were. And it was like, oh man, like everything seemed normal for a couple hours and it, it went off good. Again, obviously it's a little bit different than, than comparing the UFC to the NBA. I'm not, I'm not trying to do that, but just, I don't know what is a good answer. What's not a good answer. All I'm saying is like, let's, before we say Adam Silver is going to lose his job or this is going to be a disaster or a player is going to die or there's going to be tanks going down the street to protect everybody. Let's just, let's just take a deep breath, see how July 30th goes and just, let's just, just, just see how it goes. It's a month away. A lot can happen. A lot can change. Let's just, everyone take a deep breath. Cause they're, 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 it's coming back as, as Jacob said, I mean, it, it, it's, it's here. Like it's not, it's not that they're not going to play. So let's just deal with the reality and let's just see what happens before we either decide to slam it or even, on the other side, before we praise it, let's just see what happens with it. Is that's that's basically all I'm saying. Like I said, some of the stuff I've been seeing is just like, come on, like just like the, the, nothing that we say or do is going to change what's going to happen between now and July 30th. Like that's that's basically what I got. It's it's definitely not. I mean, just looking at some of the data. Like the thing is, you think a month ago, um, cases had they they would slow down to kind of they weren't increasing. In the months since, they've kind of cases daily have been breaking records every day worldwide. You think a month ago, it looked like we were on the downward slope of um, the death toll. That's kind of maintained, that's kind of plateaued, but slowly creeping back up. They like, there's like, we don't know what the world's going to look like in a month's time. And, but just to um, touch on something um, Brett brought up about um, the collective bargaining agreement and the TV money. Yes, they are both, they both get, what is it, like 51, 49 or 50, 50. They both, they, they both have an economic incentive, but it's not an equal economic incentive because the owners come from a much larger, much more stable financial position to begin with. So what we're seeing is we're seeing the money, the, the value of what, they're, of what they'd be getting back from it going ahead is relatively smaller, but the risk is very small for them personally. They're not 
looking at any risk and there is a moderate financial gain for them relative to their wealth. For the players, it's a huge financial gain for them relative to their wealth for all the general players like you touched on Brett, the minimum salary guys, the guys on 2 million a year, the 25 to 30% of the league that live paycheck to paycheck. It's huge, but also the risk for them is much bigger. So they're kind of, they're more of a kind of, they their, their, um, their hand is being pushed in this debate. Like the, the owners could sit out the season if they wanted to and suffer no financial risks. What's that? Oh, I don't know. I, I, don't, know. I, I don't know. I think I did something. Keep going. Sorry, <laughs> Sorry Jacob. Keep but they going. Can, they, the owners suffer no financial risk and they, they could, if they wanted to, they could sit out for the season and what what would happen? They could pay everyone on their staffs, pretty much every ownership group could, and see no real change to their state of living. Their livelihoods wouldn't be affected by losing a billion, two billion dollars worth of income. For the players, it's a lot different situation where if they don't play this season, if they're being pushed to like, you'll lose out on game day money, for a lot of them, that's it. That's a deciding factor. You have to go back now because you are living paycheck to paycheck. Like if I lost my job and, you know, I would need a job within the next couple of months or, you know, I wouldn't be able to live. I don't have that much saved up for, um, you know, but that's that's the position. So yes, we can talk about the fight, the money from the TV deal being equal on both sides, but what that money means to both sides is very different. It's a great point. I mean, that's, that's, that's a really good point. Um, uh, it, it, there is more pressure on the players, and um, you know it's just how it is, and also the 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 risk factor for sure. I mean, yeah, the owners, you know, they're probably are they are they going to be there? Like I don't even oh, God I, no, I, God no. Well, Cuban right. will be right. Cuban uh, will be there for yeah. sure. Well, not all of them oh, yeah. probably. Yeah, right? yeah, like, yeah that choice. You yeah. think some of the older ones? I don't know. I, I hadn't even thought about that until just right now. But but either way, like. The players will be at more risk, but then you have to think about, is it going to be riskier than the lives they've been living the last couple months? Or is it actually going to be a safer environment? Because you see these videos of these guys just playing pickup games in gyms filled with audiences with no masks on. And like, you know, that's the reason why so many of them have gotten COVID. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I know 16 tested positive the other day alone. I think it's probably been at least three times that since this all started, if not more. And I think there will be several more that will test positive leading up to this. So they, yeah. a lot of these players I think are taking the approach that look, we're, we're super athletes in our twenties. Like, you know, we, they know other athletes that have gotten it that have been like, it was nothing. I didn't even notice I had it. So I think they're actually taking a, not all of them, but generally speaking, a, a relatively careless approach to this thing. So I almost think that this bubble environment inherently risky as it may be, is actually going to be safer than, probably the the environments of, of the majority of, of these players for, for the past couple months. So I think that's something to look at as well. It, it is risky, but how risky is it compared to what they've been doing? And and that and and, and Brett, you just touched on something that it, that is my that I've been kind of rallying home as well. And everything that we said, I think we can all agree on there's a risk involved. I mean Jacob, I think you're spot on in what in what you said as well. But like where is this media outrage when these guys are playing pickup together? Where's the outrage when they're when they're out at the parks together? Like they're all doing it. And again, I'm not taking I don't want to take anything away from the Black Lives Matter movement. I think that's important what's going on. But there is, you know, when I know here in Milwaukee, there was Giannis, uh, Sterling Brown, Dante DiVincenzo, 
all those guys were all protesting. I mean, you had Malcolm Brogdon down in Atlanta. You had Jalen Brown down in Atlanta. No one said anything about that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, again, and I'm not taking anything away from that. I don't want to take anything away from that conversation. But now all of a sudden when it's time to play basketball, it's, oh, now we got to worry about the coronavirus. Well, where was everybody worried about it a couple weeks ago? You know, if you're looking at it purely from like a risk perspective, um, yeah, being out there protesting, giving a speech with no mask on, like, you know, all these, a lot of these guys like Lillard and Westbrook and, and yeah, Jalen and Malcolm and all these guys, we've seen it all. And yeah, nobody's, nobody's saying that. And I think just in general with the protests, nobody really wanted to talk about the risk of it because they didn't want to take away from the message. And, and I think everyone just kind of accepts that, you know, the good outweighs the bad with this. Yes. There are every, every protester is risking contracting COVID, but, um, but they're, you know, they're, they're forcing changes that need to be made, but, but it's like, yeah, nobody's, nobody's talking about, Oh my God, Malcolm, Brogdon's out there in a protest like but then when he's on a basketball court in like a, a a pretty safe environment in this bubble with a bunch of people that have all been tested um then now everyone's gonna freak out about you know the risk like you're right and that's that, my issue that's my number one issue and like shout out to you Jacob I can't remember if you said it on on, that, on the last pod or the pod before that but I know you said that you know in in the UK, you and you and your missus wanted to go out and protest, and you're like, "Hey, we're in the middle of a pandemic. Like, we're not doing that." But like, it's like this this inconsistency yeah. with you know, especially reading some of the media coverage. Again, I want to make this clear: like, I'm not taking anything away from from the, the protests and the Black Lives Matter movement that's going on in this country. But I, I just think it's it's hypocritical from a media standpoint to sit here and say, like, I even read an article where. I don't know who the health expert was, but the media was running stories that like, oh, the black, all the protests that are going on, it's not, there's been no spike in cases with the coronavirus. But then you have, then you flip it and just in the current news today, you know, Texas shut their bars down. So you're telling me thousands of people in the street marching, like you said, Brett, not practicing social distancing, no mess. They're not spreading this, but you know, Moe's Irish pub bar is spreading like I just don't understand. Like, I I would think like as a I think that I'm I'm smart sometimes. Like they're both spreading it, but just this narrative, as you just said, Malcolm Brogdon's in Atlanta giving speeches. No one says anything. Malcolm Brogdon's playing pickup. Oh, what is Malcolm Brogdon doing? He can't be doing that. That's they shouldn't be like. What are you, what are we talking about? Like we can't just pick and choose as as you said, Jacob. This is a pandemic. It's gonna no matter what people do, it's gonna be there, and we we need to be consistent with our our thoughts and opinions on that yeah i mean i mean this is really it's a real thorny issue because at the same time you can't put a timeline on kind of civil rights like you can't say this is an inconvenient time for you to fight for your rights like that's 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 this language of you know oppression Mm -hmm. to say that's literally Mm -hmm. like you know now isn't a good time but of all the times it is objectively a bad time like that's the unfortunate Mm -hmm. part of it but i would point out two things about um what we're saying and that is that yes they are going out and they are protesting but when we compare what is essential and what is not when we try to think about what is socially essential fighting for the rights of people to not get murdered in the street i would class that as a pretty essential thing to do playing basketball as you know even if even people can talk about oh you know it's it's really good for people's mental health and i'm not saying it's not good for a lot of people's mental health but it's less serious than you know however many i think they're saying six people are being murdered a day by the police in america it's more than gang violence combined across america the the police are murdering every day like that is a big deal and that is something that even during a pandemic is worth fighting for 
And it is there. The thing is, I would point out is it's their individual choice to go out there and take part in these protests. It's an economic choice to go play in Orlando to do a non-essential activity, which is to play basketball for millions of people to watch. Like, so I would say, although the activity and the outcome may end up being the same, that they get coronavirus, they spread coronavirus, they keep the they keep this pandemic going, the objectives behind it do kind of mitigate some of that criticism for me. Yeah, and I think I think I think therein lies the sort of the disparity in uh, media coverage or outrage yeah, or people, so. uh, you know, the way people look at it. I think we're all sort of on the same page with that. Is like, you know, there's no way we're going to criticize a guy well, for for yeah, protesting. Yeah. It, it's yeah. too important, you know. But but like like you know, yeah. If you were just looking at it uh, coldly and objectively from just a risk yeah. standpoint, um, yeah, it's it's a risky thing to do. But I think I think like you said, sort of the objective behind it. Uh, is why people are saying, you know, you, that why a guy might get criticized for playing pickup or, or even deciding to play in Orlando or even the league as a whole deciding to play in Orlando, whereas, you know, being at these protests, which is obviously risky. Um, and, and I think one thing I, I should note is that it seems like it seems like the vast majority of protesters are wearing masks. And, and, and I think that I think the inability to trace a lot of these uh, increases in cases to the protests, I do, I do think speaks to the efficacy of masks. Um, at least so far, again, maybe we'll learn more. Maybe it'll come out that, yeah, these protests really were fueling a lot of these spikes, but they, they, they haven't traced a whole lot back to the protest yet. And I think part of that might be that everybody almost, you know, if you look at any picture, almost all of them are wearing masks and maybe, maybe the masks, uh, work a lot better than, than people realize. And maybe these bars where they're tracing, you know, 15, 20 cases to, uh, is because they're all indoors and not wearing masks and all screaming at the top of their lungs with a music plan, trying to talk over each other. So I think there might be something to that, but at the same time, I think it's fair to assume that, that, you know, Brogdon, for instance, probably contracted COVID, you know, being in those crowds in Atlanta, or it, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he did at least. And, and Jacob, everything that you said, man, I agree with. I, I, I'm just simply pointing out, like, it, it's just, it, I, I don't like it that it the, the media just can, I don't know. I, I just don't like that the media can control the narrative as, as much as they do. And I, I just have a, I just have a big issue with that, but um, that is going to do it for today though. Um, I appreciate you guys. Um, it felt good to be back. Um, we talked a little NBA. We talked a little, talked a little coronavirus. I'm, I'm really excited for, for next week. I hope that we can, um, that nothing else major <laughs> happens. Um, so we can do the, the all NBA stuff that um, I know that I'm really excited to hear what Jacob and Brett have to say about that. But um, yeah, it was good fellas. Um, I, I, I'm guessing um, you might have been able to hear one of my children um, screaming at the top of their lungs. Um, I had the door shut. So, I mean, I just substituted Bunker out with a child. So, um, yeah, uh, <laughs> just another special guest that we have. But um, I appreciate you guys. I love you guys. Uh, great conversation. And um, we will see you guys all next week.